Hey guys, I'm Tamara Melton. And I'm Deanna Bellany. We are the co-founders of Diversify Dietetics, a nonprofit community dedicated to increasing the racial and ethnic diversity in the field of nutrition and dietetics. Welcome to Feed Me the Facts. Welcome back to Feed Me the Facts. I don't know if this has happened to anybody else, but you're watching your favorite TV show and all of a sudden new episodes just stop showing up and you're like, oh my gosh, the mid-season finale. I didn't realize this was coming. Well, I feel like Feed Me the Facts did a, did a quick mid-season finale break, um, but we decided to just wrap up that first season on a high note with Pursuing Multiple Passions, so go back and listen to it if you haven't already, and start fresh with season two, and we are kicking things off with an amazing episode featuring the registered dietitian by the name of Candace Jones. She is the Dietetic Technology Program Chair at Cincinnati State Technical and Community College. She oversees three programs there, the Dietetic Technician Program, an Associate of Applied Science degree, Pre-Nutrition Science, an Associate of Science degree, and the Dietary Management Certificate. I'll let Candace tell you a little bit more about herself, but this was such a great episode. Candace has a great sense of humor, and Tamara and I both got to interview her, so added bonus there. Let's get into it. Candace, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, before we get started, can you just do a little bit of an introduction and tell us about yourself? Sure. I am originally from Maryland, and I decided to pursue a bachelor's in nutritional sciences from the University of Connecticut, and I was fortunate enough to also be able to stay on campus to complete my dietetic internship. I eventually decided to move to the Midwest and pursue my master's of education in health promotion education from the University of Cincinnati. And while pursuing my master's degree, I began working in outpatient as a dietitian diabetes educator and eventually um, achieved the title of certified diabetes educator. In 2014, I just decided that I, I wanted to go back to pursuing my passion of teaching and was fortunate enough to get an adjunct position at Cincinnati State Technical and Community College teaching an intro nutrition class. And that following year, I applied and became a program chair of the dietetic technology programs, which include dietetic technician, pre-nutrition science, which is one of our main articulation agreements with the University of Cincinnati's dietetic program and uh, dietetic management certificate program. Yeah, and I'm, we're really excited to talk to you today about the, the things that you teach and the dietetic technician credential. Um, so at Cincinnati State, you are helping students, you uh, prepare for careers in food and nutrition, food service management, dietetics, kind of all those different avenues. And you also help them obtain that credential. So can you kind of explain to us just the basics of the credential and the general process for um, obtaining it? Absolutely. I I feel like um, a lot of people out there have heard of the job title dietetic technician, but are kind of unsure of what the job description entails. So for example, we know that Sherlock Holmes is going to solve the mystery, but what really did Watson do? (laughs) (laughs) So Okay, now I'm like, where is she going? So I'm analogies. I love it. I love analogies when trying to figure out uh, this position. 
So like registered dietitians, dietetic technicians have a strong knowledge um, of many of the aspects of food and nutrition. They complete nutrition screenings, um, nutrition care for health promotion, disease prevention, medical nutrition therapy, of course, the nutrition care process. We have a food science background in the program. And then definitely uh, culinary and food service background, a strong understanding from meal uh, de menu development, uh, meal planning, management, budget development, safety and sanitation practices. So it, it really is very, very similar to a coordinated program. However, it's just two years. It's an associate degree. And in order to achieve the credentials of DTR, there, there are two main processes. One, to attend an accredited program by ASCEND uh, as one of the associate degree programs, whether it is an associate of science, an associate of applied science, complete the minimum 450 hours of supervised practice, or now, those that graduate with a bachelor's from a DPD program uh, also qualify to sit for the DTR exam through CDR. So, so that's a, an interesting point that you bring up because that's a, a change recent within the last couple of years that um, students who have that bachelor's degree can sit for the, the exam. So what is the difference between, because students or professionals may have seen this in dietetics, we'll see the DTR certification or credentialing and then the NDTR with the N in front of it. What's the difference between those two different um, credentialing? Uh, they have identical meetings. It's very similar to RD versus RDN. The N in front of the, uh, the DTR just really emphasizes that nutrition training and knowledge. And so for example, currently on my business cards, it still says RD. Once I run out, I'll probably change it to RDN just to <laughs> emphasize that nutrition component. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. I, I mean, thought, I know that. So. I didn't either, yeah. And I thought it was a really interesting shift, even with the RD that they added that. I thought it was like, you know, making it easier in layman's terms for people to know, because some people don't know dietitian. They're like, oh, nutritionist and dietitian. Mm -hmm. So it like makes it easier for just like the common public to recognize you as that as that expert in both of those things. And, and that's the key, um, identifying who does have the, the expertise, um, gain that training from an accredited program mm -hmm. um, to meet the needs of their employers. So I've met um, a couple people that have you know, their DTR and, DT and DTR credential, and they often use it as like a, a stepping stone. It's like they get that, they get some experience working in the field, and then they apply to become a dietitian. Is this typically the norm? Is that what you see with your students as well? Or um, is that just, you know, a small subset of the people that have the DTR credential? Actually, you know, I think it's a great question. Um, I would say right now about 50% of my students do plan on using it as a stepping stone in order to um, advance in the career and uh, later on become a registered dietitian. And there are many different factors that play a role in their decision. One, affordability. Mm. The cost to uh, complete a bachelor's, and especially as we move towards the future mo model of uh, dietetics eventually, that, that master's level can, can cost a pretty penny. Um, and there are a lot of students that just don't want to be in that much debt. At FINCI, there was also a great presentation that talked about how dietetics is 
uh, becoming a second, third, or fourth career. And so uh, in my current class that's getting ready to graduate in the spring, actually about 50% already have either an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree in another mm. field. So for them, the thought of going back to a four-year college and paying, building up more debt, um, was just daunting versus coming to um, a community college, achieving that DTR, completing about a little over 40% of the coursework for the DPD program or dietetic program, made the dream of becoming a registered dietitian more realistic and feasible for their schedule. And then there, there's a group that just wants to start working in the field. Mm. They want to really hop in and get an experience of what it feels like to work in nutrition, work in food service, and um, maybe branch out, work in research, work with different community wellness programs. But they wanted to test the waters with a DTR program before committing to um, a four-year degree to see if they really wanted to stay in the degree and, and really pursue it. And so in many ways, one way to think of the DT program at a community college is it's very similar to a coordinated program. Mm -hmm. That last year, second year, they're able to really complete that didactic coursework, but then also pair it with that supervised practice. So those students come out stronger with understanding time management, are able to start working in the field while they're pursuing a further degree. So hopefully less debt, mm -hmm. but then really have that leg up in the application process for whether it's um, the coordinated program or the dietetic internship with those credentials. So, that's really interesting. And I never, yeah, I've never thought about it as kind of a way to experience the field without, you know, submersing yourself entirely into that process. So if there's a student that's kind of going back and forth between like, oh, should I go the traditional DICUS route? Um, or should I look to obtain um, the DT credential? What kind of advice do you typically give them? Or, or how can you help them like navigate that decision? Well, I think the first thing I always um, have that, that really one-to-one -one conversation with them is first, just as we remember when we were little, we were always asked, what do we want to be when we grow up? We really didn't think about the financial components mm -hmm. as to how to get there. And so with a lot of students that attend community college, they are non-traditional students, which means they may be older students, they may be caretakers, um, they may have to work, they may be veterans. Um, so they may already have quite a few expenses. So we, we sit down and we have long conversation as to plotting out how to feasibly and financially make it to the DTR pro or make it through the DTR program to um, an internship. And so for some students right there, that's where they say, I really just want to start working in the field. And I really just want to start to gain that experience. And, um, and there are some students that really decide that they want to pay their way and um, that's where they will complete the DTR. They'll start working in the field and based on 
either support from their employment, from tuition reimbursement, especially if they're going into healthcare um, or working for the state, they're able to uh, afford to continue on. There are some students that right off the bat know that they are going to be able to cover it, but we have to have a serious conversation about grades mm-hmm. um, because GPA is a, is a component. And if their grades are not quite as we have a requirement for UC, University of Cincinnati, at least a 3.0, we really stress the importance of completing that DTR program and then passing the exam because often the GPA, I try to think of it as like a credit score. You racked up that one credit card and now that credit score follows you forever. How do you improve your credit score? You can improve your credit score from a dietetic standpoint by passing that DTR exam. So that financial component, what are their uh, life barriers as that what would be a smooth transition? But no matter what, I I try to stress to uh, my students, whether they decide to complete the DTR program or my my articulation program, which is the pre-nutrition science, both pathways can lead you to becoming a registered dietitian nutritionist. It's just more pertaining to work experience and financial feasibility versus right off the bat, being able to afford, and also from a GPA standpoint, make it through a a DPD or CP. I love that analogy about the credit score because the DTR exam, you know, like the RD exam is one of those objective milestones that you can reach that let someone know that you're competent that can basically help to offset what might be a lower GPA students, um, especially if, even if they're coming out with a bachelor's degree, I think, to get that NDTR is helpful because if they're applying an internship and their GPA was a little bit lower, to take that gives them that, that credentialing that says, okay, I'm competent um, and understand this. So I love that about the, the credit score. That it, makes sense. Yeah, It really does because I remember, again, personally, when I started at University of Connecticut, I was eight hours from home. Um, I was new to the tennis team and trying to juggle being far away from home, feeling isolated, playing a division one sport. I failed chemistry for the first time. Great student in, in high school. And that GPA really um, shocked me. And I had uh, an advisor state pretty much, um, I'm not sure if, if dietetics is, is a good fit for you. Um, just based on that one semester, and I had a great friend on the tennis team who then introduced me to other courses that I could take, had a different advisor, and the following uh, year became an athletic, academic, outstanding student. So it's very important for me to stress to the students that the GPA does not make or break you. Mm -hmm. But is it, it is important to, pay, to address it. And what classes do we need to retake in order to build up essentially your credit score? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just one you know, missed course does not mean you can't practice. There's plenty of people who, in all sorts of industries and professions who have one course. It's important, but it's not, it's not gonna completely 
shatter your dreams of going into that profession. Correct. So, and some people just don't test well. Right. Exactly. They don't. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, somebody might be sitting there thinking, okay, this, this sounds interesting, but I don't know if I can have a viable career as an NDTR or, or a DTR and having that, that, um, that credentialing. So can we talk a little bit about some of the traditional career pathways that students have? What are some actual, you mentioned food service, but what are some other um, jobs that they get when they come out of school um, in a more traditional way? So I think the two main um, avenues that we typically think of when we hear dietetic technician is long-term care and then an acute hospital setting. Often long-term care is a fantastic way to really get that work experience. You're, you're working with uh, typically a little bit more liberalized diets, uh, quality of, of life over quantity, um, and really can just get your feet wet from an entry-level position. Um, and then hospital also, um, depending on the setting. But there's the, also the food service side of the DTR, um, not just the clinical side. And so after graduating, completing a DT program, not only can uh, graduates sit for the DTR exam, they can also sit for the Certified Dietary Manager exam and get two more credentials after their name. So especially from a salary standpoint, when we hear that term management, um, there can be an increase of anywhere from five to $10,000 because we are now supervising employees or staff. So for those that are really interested in food service management, um, meal planning, budgeting, this is definitely that, uh, that avenue. And I have quite a few culinary graduates from the um, associated degree side that have switched over to the DT program because they want a better understanding of both worlds, how to make food taste great, how to present it, but then also how to heal the body or prevent uh, different types of chronic illnesses. So those are the two main areas, and that also includes WIC, women, infant, children. And then I always think about, from, a, from Cincinnati area, we have Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center, which is number two in the nation, and they have an amazing uh, nutrition care team, uh, great partnership with registered dietitians and dietetic technicians, that uh, my students get to work with and see how DTRs can really improve the health and well-being of, um, of children. Yeah, and I wanna go back to the CDM. Um, I work for you know, my full-time position for Morrison Healthcare and they have, um, we have quite a few CDMs. I mean, it's the backbone of the company. They're doing healthcare food service and they are, some of those folks are running whole regions now within the company. I mean, they have really viable careers. So we'll put some links to those, um, those other, that other credentials that you mentioned in the CDM, um, if somebody was not familiar with that. But, okay, so those are kind of the more traditional ones. Yes. What are some non-traditional pathways that students may do that may not be in, or professionals who, are, who have the, the DT credential that might not be in a hospital setting, in a long-term care setting, something that's kind of on that they would just not think of initially like, oh, I can go use this same credential, pair it maybe with something else or, or use some other experience and, and do a different pathway. Do you have any examples 
for some non-traditional career pathways? Absolutely. There is, um, right off the bat, I think, of retail, food retail companies, grocery stores, and now hiring um, nutrition techs, dietetic technicians, to help promote different types of um, nutrition programs, health and wellness programs within these stores. Uh, so, for example, I can think of Kroger paired up with Be Somebody, and they now have th these nutrition techs that basically are the front line to their, their customers, their consumers, whether it's grocery store tours, nutrition entry, nutrition counseling, education, uh, food label read reading, because we know how daunting reading food labels in the grocery store can be. These frontliners, these nutrition techs, essentially help with alleviate a lot of that stress. Um, and a dietitian oversees that process. I also think from a culinary standpoint, there are a lot of health clubs and spas that are hiring those that have a nice combination or balance of culinary and nutrition. So they've completed maybe a culinary um, program, associate degree, but then maybe also the dietetic technician program so that they can better understand holistic nutrition and wellness, create different types of menus based on diets for their clients. Those are all good. And I wanna add one more, because this is the world I work in. Um, for the students who have a bachelor's degree, um, who have a DT credential as well is to look into technology and informatics. Um, because I think that that's an area that it's, you know, if you have that kind of tech background and, and you're interested in uh, project management or process improvement, or looking at if you're in the hospital setting and you understand about electronic health records or something, there is not the, the need for a credential beyond what you have in your bachelor's degree and possibly even the associate's degree that you have, and that is definitely an area that's booming. So I have, um, I know when I've talked to some students who are, or um, some dietetic techs who are interested, I, and I mean, obviously I'm biased because that's the space <laughs> that I work in. I feel like I'm in from a biased space, but, um, but I tell them like, look into this. I mean, this is something that's a growing field and that they can look into, but that's really neat that you talked about grocery stores. I mean, I know you're in the land of Kroger up there in Ohio, so that makes sense. Our Virginia. Yeah. Um, to have that space up there. So um, that's just exciting to know that there are other pathways because like you said, there's some people who do not want to go back to school after, you know, they get their, their DT credentialing. And so that's just really good to know that there's, there's other things that they can do with this and kind of, and run with it. So. Well, and right. again, along those lines of um, non-traditional research, there are quite a few students that I have that just have a passion for research, but it, they may want to go on and get their bachelor's in uh, maybe health administration. Um, there's a graduate of the program that also works at Children's, but she works in one of the research departments and helps to run the metabolic lab, the cooking lab. So um, there are quite a few different avenues. The DTR pairs or complements quite a few other degrees out there. Yeah, it sounds like it's a really great like foundational foundational thing that you can build on in so many different ways. Are there also, I guess, other credentials that you can get along with it? I'm thinking like traditionally in the dietetic pathway, people can you know specialize in different things. Is the same option available for um, DTR uh, credentialed um, professionals? So besides the CDM, so the Certified Dietary Manager, CFPP, um, Certified Food Protection 
um, professional, there are different types of certification trainings that uh, DTRs can attend. So for example, the weight management training sessions from a continuing education standpoint uh, are some of the main ones. There are different types of culinary or food service trainings that are out there. Most of the certifications that are through um, CDR are specifically for registered dietitians. Gotcha. So speaking of CDR, you kind of talked a little bit about um, earlier about the changes for the pathway and for the dietetic pathway in 2024. I'm sure you know the CDR will require entry-level dietitians to have a minimum of a graduate degree as opposed to the bachelor's that it is right now. So how do you think this change will um, impact dietetic technicians and um, their career trajectory? I love knowing the unforeseen future. Um, as we all sit and we wait for the, the current research, um, <laughs> some of these pilot programs are, are, um, are going through the process. And it's going to take a few years. The biggest component is that uh, the DTR, there's discussion um, and it's being tried right now, being provided at the bachelor's level. And so as of right now, both CDR and Ascend do not have any plans on discontinuing accrediting DT associate degree programs. Right now, um, both types of programs will be accredited. And based on years of uh, research, we'll figure out what their findings are. And for my students, especially when I'm thinking about non-traditional students that really rely on community colleges from whether it's a cost standpoint, from the smaller class sizes um, in order to grasp concepts um, from a diversity standpoint, uh, working closer with peers, their advisors, their instructors, or program chairs. I think that if both programs are able to continue to be accredited, that's fantastic. If the bachelor's program is selected, then I really would promote community colleges. And again, hopefully um, the academy would, would agree with this or foresee it as a possibility of these community colleges being able to provide or offer bachelor programs. This is a discussion nationwide about community colleges offering different bachelor programs, specifically if there's a need, and this would be a great way to also diversify the field more. Um, there's a higher demographics of, stu of students of color, people of color that attend community colleges and uh, the academy did have um, and does have a strategic plan the 2015 2020 uh, diversity strategic plan to really work hard on increasing um, diversity within the field and I think this would actually be a, a great way to make a, a higher or advanced degree more affordable and then that would also allow those students to um, apply for the master's level. I just want to ask one clarifying question. So when you say the um, community college will offer like bachelor's credit, is that what you mean? Like, or is it an actual bachelor's degree? degree? Yes. Okay. Wow. There, That's fair. There are, yeah, there are quite a few colleges, um, community colleges that right now are seeking out uh, bachelor level programs. And of course with um, states granting permission, these these colleges are able to actually have a four-year degree program on their campus. That would be amazing. That that would. Um, so if 
quite a few individuals are attending community college and really want to pursue dietetics. And it's that financial uh, barrier and just feeling lost in a, in a very large class where many community colleges, the average size may be, class size may be 12 to 24. Um, this would be a great way for students to definitely um, feel confident in passing those math and science courses that are the foundation of, of our dietetic careers, essentially, and then be able to feel more confident passing those registration exams. And even just like the cost perspective of it as well, I feel like it would make it so much more accessible to people. Cost alone, as I still pay back my tuition loans <laughs> for many oh, years. Oh, we all. <laughs> oh, Sally Mae every month. There we go, Navient. Woo, Navient. <laughs> One thing I want to also add to, I've had people ask me in the past, are they able to, you mentioned articulation agreement. I did the same articulation agreement um, for undergrad for myself when I was in, uh, in undergrad. Um, went to a community college for two years and transferred to a four-year school. And there's sometimes a misconception out there that students can't do that, um, but you can. Um, you guys mentioned you have an articulation agreement between your program and University of Cincinnati. Um, so students should keep that in mind because if you do struggle with the sciences or whatever, those smaller class sizes plus usually less expensive tuition at a two-year school could benefit a student um, while they're getting started and then look for a way to transfer into a four-year school and know that that is something that you can do. It just is important to have a plan because you want to make sure you have the courses that you need. If they don't have a formal articulation agreement to talk to somebody at the four-year school so that you know what you should be taking at the two-year school, create your own kind of articulation agreement or articulation plan, I should say, not agreement, to, to start at the two-year school and then, and then move on up to the four-year if you want to do that. Absolutely. So um, at Cincinnati State, we actually have uh, four articulations, two for the pre-nutrition science, one leading into the DPD, one for the CP, and then most recently for the DT program um, to both of those programs. Uh, both of those programs at University of Cincinnati. And I think that it is imperative that community colleges that have DT programs hopefully be on the advisory boards of their um, four-year colleges that they have articulation agreements with and vice versa. So I work very closely with UC. It's very important to have that transparency of, um, for the students as to what will transfer over and how will it transfer over. How will it equate? So for some of the DT classes that are taken at Cincinnati State, two of those classes may transfer over as one class or one course at UC. And for those students that love, and I know we all know them, self-advise, those <laughs> students <laughs> love to self-advise. Um, those I thought I could take that course and I didn't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can yeah. take it. You just can't take it this semester. You have to wait another year. Um, so for those students that love to self-advise, in the DT uh, student handbook is actually an outline um, letter from um, the director from UC, uh, Lindsay Mills, who specifically states the importance of working with the program chair in order to complete the programs, whether it's the pre-nutrition science or DT program to successfully 
have a smoother transition to University of Cincinnati. Um, so we're often on the phone talking about ways of, of making that transition process as, as easy as possible because for many of these students to go from a class size of 15 to 24 students now to a class size of let's say 200, it can feel like we were a big fish in a small pond and now we're a small fish in a big pond and then we're intimidated to maybe communicate or speak up and we lose them, we don't retain them. So for both pro programs, both colleges, it's a win-win if we're able to successfully um, complete a program at a two-year college and transition them to a four-year college and complete that dietetic program, especially if then if they take that RD exam and pass it after they pass the DTR exam, then I feel like we are overall helping to build our, our program, helping to build our, our career and profession. So we are, uh, as you know, obviously, Candice, Diversified Dietetics. This podcast is created for that community. And so we always like to, if we're talking about any topics, look at it from the angle of a student an underrepresented minority student of color. So who, which I always tell people in dietetics is every minority student. And there I've heard, I've heard in the past and, and some students have said, and there might even be the perception that if I'm a student and I decide to go the, the DT pathway and I get that credential, especially the DT as opposed to the NDTR because NDTR means to you have your bachelor's degree and I'm a person of color, am I, putting myself into a situation where as I try to advance further along, I'm not going to get as many chances. I'm not going to get opportunities to be able to advance in my pathway. I may not be accepted into, it seems counterintuitive, but I may not be accepted into um, a, a coordinated, a master's level coordinated program, or if I have my DT, I may not be accepted into, especially if there's no articulation agreement in place into a bachelor's level program. Um, because basically somebody's telling me, look, it's good enough what you've got, be happy with this and use that credentialing. I guess this is a two-part question. One, have you seen this happen at all to students um, as a professional? And then two, what are some things that students can do if they feel like um, they're basically being pushed into a direction and being stopped from advancing in their, their education and their career goals? So um, as an African-American woman myself, Growing up playing tennis, I should probably just stop there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, <Full> wait. Stop. <laughs> and <laughs> let that sing in. Yes. And softball. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, mentally, I was prepared to probably be the only person in my program um, of color. And so when I, when I think about what kind of support should we be providing for people of color. We, we need mentors. Um, and I would like to definitely thank um, Susan Davis, who was my mentor during my internship. That was the hardest time of my life um, because I did not know a dietitian of color until I did my community rotation. And I said, oh my goodness, in Connecticut, there's a dietitian of color. <laughs> they do <Yes>. exist. <laughs> it's like Falcor, you know. And <laughs> I do believe um, that's a never-ending story for if I just yes, dated myself. A true. A true. Um, 
so when I look at the, the DT program, this is actually a perfect environment and a perfect way to um, kind of really build your application for furthering your career in dietetics because you're going to have a credential that a lot of your counterparts most likely are not going to have. And so if I'm a program director and I see that a person of color, it doesn't matter, a person, a person of color has definitely passed an exam that is very similar to the RD exam, then for my program, this can also be a win-win. This, this is a fantastic probability. And so I tell those students, and I can think of them right now in my program, that were very concerned about being, quote, the only one in their classes. Um, I, I want to try and um, support them as much as possible, introduce them and, uh, to other dietitians or dietetic technicians of color, uh, which is why um, Dr. Fran Knox and I have a, a group that we're kind of starting called um, Blacks and Latino in Nutrition, Ballin, um, as a support network. <laughs> Ballin as a support group um, and mentoring group for students and profession and those in the profession to achieve success. And for anyone out there that feels like uh, just completing your DTR um, is a stopping point, that is a huge accomplishment. We're talking about a standardized exam that many, many people do not pass. And so just completing that and getting those credentials after your name, no one can take that away from you. Um, and it really does then, uh, from a dietetic internship standpoint, you stand out because you've demonstrated work experience in clinicals and in food service and in community. It's a strength. It is a very, very powerful uh, weapon to build um, in advance in the, in the profession. So bravo to those that are doing it and continue to do so and more need to do it. And that's why I'm here. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love that you, what you're saying to remind people that, that you've, you've passed a standardized test, you, that a lot of people don't pass. And then to remind others that you passed a standardized test, other people haven't passed so that they know that with the, the work that you've done and, and what you can bring to the table, if you feel like you're coming up against any, you know, um, any obstacles that are happening. And of course, as you mentioned, Candace, to stress having a mentor, sometimes it just helps have somebody to talk to, to help you to, if you're inexperienced, to, to navigate what might be a situation um, and help you with that. So, and, and there are a couple of just realizations um, that, again, in the profession where um, about less than 3% um, of dietetic professionals are, are people of color. It's also really important just to find a really good ally. And um, I found a really good ally at Cincinnati State, found great allies um, at Christ Hospital or a dietitian that will also support you as you're in the process of, of finding other um, dietitians or dietetic professionals of color. You kind of, you know, I talked about the statistics and I, I think it's slightly better for the, the DTR credential than it is for the RDN 
Um, one, correct me if I'm wrong, the percentage of people of color, did you say it was less than 3% for, for that credential? Uh, correct. So in the state of Ohio right now, um, for dietetics as a whole, I believe we're at 2%. Oh, wow. And so I won't say how many years ago, but it's been over a decade. I believe that it, we were at 3%. And this is definitely one of the reasons why um, I'm so happy that the Academy is, is trying to put together a strategic plan um, to help diversify the field more. Um, and I think that by creating these pipelines, especially, um, and by pipeline, I mean whether it's outreach to high schools, but especially using community colleges, thinking about those demographics, thinking about the affordability or the cost expense, the financial responsibilities of becoming a dietitian. Um, community colleges and four-year institutions working together is a great way to continue building a strong pipeline of, of dietitians with col of color. Yeah, kind of like you said earlier, like the unknown is kind of exciting to see, you know, the creative ways that, that we figure out that problem. Um, and it sounds like this, this route that people can take has a lot of, just a lot of promise. And so, I mean, based on what you've said, I, I believe that this is a good pathway for students of color, but just to kind of wrap up, would you agree? Are there any like final points that, that you would for the case of the credential? Absolutely. As, as long as we continue to remember that DTRs are the Robin of our Batman, are the R2D2s of the C3POs, <laughs> complement each other, we work together. It is, it's not a competition. Um, we are part of a healthcare team. We can continue to um, build the profession together. I love that. Like those complementary skills, we all bring something to the table and it's not like one better than the other. It's just different routes that we decide to take and how we decide to make an impact with that. And we can't do it on our own. Right. We cannot do it on our own. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Candace, for speaking to us. I had no idea about all of the intricacies of um, this credential. And I think there's a lot of people that could really benefit from hearing um, all the things that you talked about. Um, did you have any last minute so I remember you mentioned that your students had different anecdotes and stories. Are there any ones that kind of stick out in particular that, that you would love to share? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, so right off the bat, I think of um, one of my students. He is a re um, medically retired truck driver, long hauler, uh, due to um, health concerns and diagnoses. Um, he decided to enter the field of dietetics in order to fight his health professionals to work with them on, on their side. And he's really passionate about improving um, meal choices with uh, truck drivers and what kind of options are available at a lot of these truck stops um, based on his experiences. Um, so right off the bat, I, I think about him. I think about quite a few of my students that um, this is their second profession and again, if we're looking at second, third, fourth careers, um, they really wanted to just hop into dietetics as soon as possible. And the two-year degree was the most affordable, as they're already paying off student loans, um, option for them. And then they would be able to advance. Um, and then especially for my students of color, I, I, it's funny, one stated, I was completely shocked that my program chair was African-American. And I said, guess what? So was I. <laughs> <laughs> 
representation. Love it. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, on that note, I always think back to uh, a quote by Dr. Jill White from the Dominican uh, University. It's one of my favorite quotes. And it is um, to make sure that we, um, for those that have already crossed over, we need to reach back and make the way for those who are on their way. And that's exactly what I, I wanted to do when I joined this profession. I saw that I was one of few and I want to help many, many more achieve my dream that I've achieved. Thank you so much for like the work that you do. And I think, you know, um, you're definitely doing that right now, speaking on this podcast, helping out the community um, of Diversified Dietetics. And so, yeah, just thank you again for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me very much. I had fun. We will um, link all of the different resources that we talked about um, in the show notes. And we'll also have information about Candace's program in our notes as well. So again, thank you. And thank um, you. it was great talking to you. You too. Thanks for listening to Feed Me the Facts. You can find more of our episodes in the Apple iTunes store. You can also find them on our website, www.diversifydietetics.org. We would love if you would rate and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Diversify Dietetics.